The 80s were an era of musical excess, and photographer Mark Weissguy Weiss was there to document the biggest and most dangerous bands of the time. From Van Halen, Ozzy, Metallica, to Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, and Guns N' Roses, the Decade That Rock podcast will look back at the period's most historic music and moments through Mark's iconic images. New interviews with rock stars both old and new will give fans a backstage pass to the most hedonistic era in music. Along for the ride is me, Mark's co-host, Greg Alpert music journalist, comedy podcast host, and 80s rock addict, and I'll help shape the conversation from a fan's perspective. Come with us for a decadent celebration of the decade that rocked. All right, here we are about to record episode number two, and we have to start off with the story about how you got your first camera from a guy whose lawn you were mowing. I was mowing, I was, you know, I was the kid in the neighborhood that would like knock on people's door when they uh, when there was a, like a lawn that was unkept, so I knocked on this guy's door, uh, and I said, "Do you need your lawn mowed?" He's like, "No, I do it myself." I said, "No, it doesn't look that way." And he's like, he looked at me like a smartass, and I was, and he's like, "I tell you what, kid," I said, "If you mow my lawn for the season, I'll give you this camera." And he showed me this camera, thirty-five millimeter camera, and it looked like a million dollars. And I said, "Okay," you know, two months later, he gave me the camera. That's where I got my first camera. So he had, he made you work two months for that camera. Yes, it, yes. And it, it, to me, it looked like it was worth like five hundred bucks. I figured, you know, maybe I'll hock it at the at the right. at the pawn shop next, you know, across the street. Do you remember what kind of camera it was? Yeah, it's a Bell and Howell Howell can Bell and Howell Canon camera. <laughs> I am looking at it as we speak. It looks at me every morning <laughs> to remind me of me mowing the lawn. So what I was the mowed. what was what was the first thing you shot with that camera? My dog Domino. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do my you have that Domino, picture? Of course, it's in my book, actually. Right. Yeah. And, and my brother Jay, who used to ride motorcycles, that was exciting about that. So, you know, I liked for things that, that moved. My dog used to run away from my house all the time, so I photographed him running away from me. And my my brother used to ride motorcycles. You know, I liked action, but right. uh, at the time, I really wasn't involved in music at all until. He joined a band and uh, he had me around him and he started introducing me to rock and roll. And that's how I got interest in, in music. Right. So when when did you transition to like actually making money shooting music? Uh, 1974, uh, 76, I went to see Aerosmith. At Madison Square Garden, I took my camera in, and I snuck in, I got real close, took some pictures. I brought it into the, to the kids in my class in high school, and they were like, whoa, those are really cool photos, you know, would you sell them? You know, sell them to me? I'm like, yeah, of course. So <laughs> for the next couple of years, I sold my pictures out of my high school locker for like a buck a piece. And, and then I used to, I took it a step further in my uh, junior year in high school, uh, and I used to sell them at front of the concerts i went a little step next step further so well, that's where i started making it a business i yeah. stole in the high school locker out of my high school locker and also in front of the concerts and then i got arrested at a kiss concert selling them uh in front of madison square garden 1977 <laughs> and then i said all right now what am i gonna do i went to jail overnight with all the wow. shirt sellers and the bootleggers and uh and i went home and when I went home, I saw this circus magazine staring right at me that I had a, a subscription to. And, and I'm like, why don't I like see where are they? And I opened it up and 
it was New York City, which was an hour away from me. And I went there and knocked on the door and it was good timing. I saw the art director and he said, I like what you're doing, but you got to shoot with this film and do this and do that. Six months later, Aerosmith played at the Giant Stadium with Ted Nugent, Mahogany Rush and right. Journey. Had great pictures. I dropped them off. A month later, they used one for a centerfold in Circus Magazine. Wow. And then it just snowballed from there. All from a teenager just walking into the headquarters and saying, hey, I want to shoot some pictures for you. I mean, I don't know what happened if he said, get out of here, kid. Right. You know, I don't know if I would have like, you know, would have been like a dog with my tail between my legs and said, oh, okay, I guess I'll keep mowing lawns and maybe I'll have a successful lawn mowing business. Right. Or I would have knocked on another door. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I would hope I would have kept knocking until someone opened it, but it just happened to be the first door that I knocked on, which was a, one of the biggest magazines at the time, sure. Circus Magazine. You know, everything happens for a reason. It's fate. It's There's uh you just, if you don't go, you don't know. Yeah. You know, you know it's funny because it's actually a good transition to how I got started in the music business. Which, how did you get started in the music business? You know, I, back in <laughs> when there was actually radio stations that had radio concerts, I wanted to go to a concert that was one of these radio only shows. You had to either win tickets or go get in line at four o'clock in the morning to get the 50 tickets that were given out to fans the day of the show. And there was just no way I was doing that. And it was one of my favorite bands at the time, Nine Inch Nails. So I had a friend who worked for one of the big record labels in the city who I said, hey, can you help me get into this show? And he was like, no, but I know who their publicist is at Interscope. Here's the guy's name and number. Give him a call. You're good at talking you know, your way into stuff. You know, I bet you you could come up with a good story. So I spent like an hour thinking, what story could I come up with? So I called the guy and off the cuff, I told him, listen, man, I'm starting a music magazine next week and I really want to go to this show and cover... Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, Pop Will Eat Itself. And we just had a very cool conversation for like five minutes. And he was like, all right, meet me at the Heartland Brewery and I'll hook you up with a couple of passes at seven o'clock for the show. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so I went to the show, met him, got the tickets, went into the show. And then the next day I'm like, I got to start a music magazine because I told this guy that I had one that I didn't really have yet. And from that day forward, I called up a buddy that was in the web building business and said you need to build me a website for a music magazine that I told a guy last night that I started and he did and that magazine lasted for eight years it was called full throttle music and we started with nine inch nails and by the time that magazine ran its course we interviewed every single hard rock and heavy metal band that started from 1999 through 2007 when we when we ultimately had to fold that that magazine but it was all because i had to get into a show and i needed to figure out how to do it well you know whenever uh, a new photographer asked me like you know how do you break into the business uh i really want to do what you're doing i love what you did and all that and i always say i said start your own website, yeah. you know, start, your, start a blog, you know, let them know that, you know, you have something to offer them because they're not going to give you a photo pass or unless you can give them, offer them something. Yeah. So exactly what you did, I think a lot of people follow. Yeah, and that's, for sure. That's good advice because, you know, every, especially today, everyone is, uh, you know, with, with social media, you, if you show that you can create a following, then you're going to, you're going to be successful yeah, and you're getting sure. your access. Yeah, you know? definitely. You know, it's funny because the, the one big brush with success we had in, um, 
shooting stuff is I, you know, I had to hire photographers to go in and, and shoot stuff for me. So what I would do is basically trade people, hey, you shoot because I know you're a good photographer and I'll get you into these shows. And, you know, they were ecstatic. You're going to let me get into Elton John and shoot him at Madison Square Garden? And I'm like, sure. So the one we had where we actually had our picture chosen to be used in the New York Times for, like, the concert ads were um, when Jimmy Page went on tour with the Black Crows. They, the, the publicist liked some of our photos and said, hey, can you send me some of your photos? We may use them for the ads for the show. And they ultimately chose one of them. But what happened was those shows got canceled. <laughs> So the ad, right. it never ran. Like, the, the picture they showed never ran for the ad for the show. And that mm. tour got pushed off to the summer of the following year. Um, but that would have been cool to see one of our photos in, you know, yeah, New yeah. York Times. But you you, you got to be a squeaky wheel out there. Yeah. There's opportunity if you you stick to what you do like you did. And, and look, look where it brought us together. Yeah, for sure. You know, I had I put a book out. You had a... You interviewed me, and and now we're doing a podcast. Yeah, well, we you under a little different circumstance for a a different (laughs) podcast I'm involved with, which is comedy, which is an odd thing. But when I saw you pop up as an opportunity for us to talk to, and what your book is, and how how meaningful that is to me personally, it was a no brainer. Like it was, we had to talk to this guy that I'd. postered my walls with when I was in high school you know like I my mother would come in my room and be like why do you who's that girl on your wall and I'm like no that's Cece DeVille from Poison that's not a girl right and she, she'd be like oh and she's like who's that guy and I'm like that's that's actually Lita Ford that is a girl <laughs> so, right yeah. uh, but it just brought back so many memories um, which is what I think we're going to build for people who are fans of the music and fans of yours and, um, you know, looking through your book, it's just, it, it just brings back every memory of wherever I was at the time. And I know that it does that for other people when they flip through and see stuff and then expose them, expose new people to you through the music and, and the images. It really is an awesome thing to be involved in. And I uh, really appreciate that we put this together. Well, well, my goal is, uh, is to find, the new generation. Right. I mean, and I'm excited about the 20 year olds yeah. that are just getting exposed to it. And like you said in the previous uh, episode, when we did a kind of introduction is that uh, uh, like my photographs kind of uh, you know, they're going to pick up the book and they're going to look at it and they're going to go, who is uh, uh, you know, ACDC, yeah. you know, maybe they, they don't know who ACDC is, yeah. you know, or, you know, maybe they, they, they just know who Judas Priest is and right. they, they saw, you know, Judas Priest on, you know, in, in a magazine and they referenced it to the book. So these, these kids, you know, they might not, they might only know one person in that book and then get exposed to it because they heard about it. And then, and then they look at it and there's this whole, it's like an encyclopedia of, of what really yeah. uh, made the eighties, you know, right. all this music. So I'm excited to expose this to new generations and to bring it to them. Yeah, for sure. And it's not even just the 80s. It's it's when you look back at, at the book and the time period, so many of those bands are still out doing it now. I mean, now, obviously, whatever, pre all this, but still out doing it. I mean, the first concert, I have two teenage boys, and the first concert I took them to was Kiss and Def Leppard when they were like nine and 12 years old and I dressed them up and I painted their faces and you know to this day you know five years later 
their Kiss fans and Def Leppard fans. And then that led them to ACDC and then to Iron Maiden last summer. So, you know, I have a 16-year-old kid who is now as obsessed as I was with those bands from when I was in high school. The first Iron Maiden concert I went to see was Peace of Mind or Somewhere in Time um, when I was in high school. And he followed that up when he was a junior in high school. I mean, it's just wild to think about. And that's what we're exposing people to through your your book and all the music and everything that, that you've done through that time period. Oh, well, let's, and that's what this is, I, this uh, podcast is about. It sure is. So like what, I know this is going to put you on the spot, but like what are your, some of your favorite bands in, of the era? Uh, I mean, you know, Kiss, Aerosmith, I mean, Led Zeppelin's not the era, but that's right. one of my, you know, that's. Yeah, of course. I think like when, when I, when I talked to a lot of the bands that, uh, that I photographed in the eighties, it seems like. Aerosmith, Kiss, and Led Zeppelin were their go-to bands, yeah. and that those three bands helped shape them into what was made of the '80s. Right. Um, but in the '80s, I mean, you know, I love Cinderella. Right. I love Skid Row. I love uh, you know Ozzy, uh, Rat. I like Dokken. I mean, I really, <laughs> there. I don't think I have. <clears throat> I don't think I have a favorite. I, right. I really. You know, I'm in love with all, all all the bands that were out there. Yeah, and they're all still going. All of them. They're all still going. You know, and, and, like, there's no decade out there Yeah, that you can really say that about. I mean, you know, the 70s were awesome. Uh, but I feel like because of MTV For sure. and, and the media and the 80s was just such a excess of, like, I want, I want, I get. Yeah. Um, and then, then after that, the nineties came and the two thousands and it just kind of something about that decade. It was just a special decade that it was all about like really fun rock and roll. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think that genre is ever going to get it, get old. You no, know? I, I don't think, think so just, either. You know, you know, it's, you know, most of that music is, is raw, you know, and, and dangerous and fun. Right. So, it's not what happened at least from the mid nineties on, you know, you had some grunge stuff in the early nineties and, you know, that had a, obviously a hell of a run and lots of those bands are still out, you know, doing it. But then music just got so produced, like overproduced and the boy band era and all of, you know, it, it just changed. Right. So when you think back to the eighties, the reason those guys are still around and doing it is because the music transcends five, tw- 10, 12 years at a time. It, it just flows through and makes sense to everybody, no matter what age you are. I mean, people say like <clears throat> that era was all about like the clothes and the hair yeah. and the hairspray and all this and that, but it really wasn't. I mean, you take all that away and these guys are musicians. They're sure. prolific writers and uh, high energy. Um, and, it was just a fashion trend, you know, for a few years, you know, it was a fashion trend, you know, everyone outdoing everyone and fashion designers, like, you know, trying to make money and saying, Hey, this is what you should be doing. And MTV loves this. And, you know, so, you know, it's, it was a period where, you know, fashion kind of took over a little bit, a little bit too much, you know, but you know, we're talking about it now. It's sure. like, we're not, we're not talking about jeans and overalls, nope. you know, we're talking about 
you know, like my Underlock and Key album with with uh, Dokken, yeah. where they're all wearing these silly outfits, mm-hmm. but we're talking about it for sure. So, and we're going to so, talk uh, about it. That's what this, this podcast is going to be about. Not about the fashion, but right. certainly everything that made the music what it was and where it is today. So without getting too much into what's to come, um, you know, we talked a little bit about it in the first one and obviously now introduced ourselves more in depth to the people who are going to be listening. Um, I don't want to give away too many surprises, but we have a lot of killer stuff to come. Um, you can obviously go out and get the book, The Decade That Rocked. Uh, any way you want to particularly end this 15-minute chat? Uh just really, I mean, you know, just after I didn't know what to expect. I started I started this book five years ago. Um, it took a lot of turns, hills and valleys, you know, uh, with different things. I wasn't really sure how I wanted it. But once I got focused, I just stuck to it. And I've been literally sitting right here as I speak to you now in my office for five years, like hardly going on vacations and, <laughs> and like just driving everyone crazy by saying, I can't do this. I can't do that. Cause I had a focus and, and, and I had to stick to my guns on a lot of things and the publisher stuck to their guns and it came out to be a very successful book. And I just want, uh, I, I just, I just want everyone to, to know that, uh, we're going to try to like take, what I did in my book and just take it to uh, where we're at right now, as far as, uh, you know, fans, how they feel about it, exposing new fans to the book. uh, Cause that's the main goal is to like kind of expose. Yeah. And And, and that's it. And then for anyone listening, if you want to send us questions, you can do that through Mark's website, the decade that rocked. Um, We'll answer them. We'll do our best to. And, Right now, out on the newsstand is the issue of Rolling Stone that has a full couple-page spread of Mark's work in there. If you want to check that out, because the book is sold out everywhere online, on Amazon, everywhere you can get a hold of one, um, which is, in some cases, amazing. In other cases, kind of stinks <laughs> for people that want this book. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, the Rolling Stone article's out. You can take a quick ganders through there and... We will keep filling you in, and hopefully you're going to come back for more episodes with great interviews with artists you want to hear from. 